From Welcome Villain Films, the studio that brought you the horror hit Malum, as well as Beaten to Death and Hunter Killer, comes their newest nightmare, Mind, Body, Spirit, now available on digital. Directed by Alex Haynes and Matthew Miranda, and produced by Dan Asma, Mind, Body, Spirit follows Anya, an aspiring yoga influencer, as she embarks on a ritual practice left behind by her estranged grandmother. What starts as a spiritual self-help guide quickly evolves into something much more sinister. As Anya becomes increasingly obsessed with the mysterious power of the practice, she unwittingly unleashes an otherworldly entity that begins to take control of her life and her videos. Now, Anya must race to unlock the truth before her descent into madness threatens to consume her mind, body, and spirit. During its festival tour, which stops at Chattanooga Film Festival and the Unnamed Footage Festival, Mind, Body, Spirit garnered praise from critics who call it a found footage version of Hereditary and a knockout found footage horror movie for the live stream era. Experience the first ever yoga-themed found footage horror film and don't miss the film viewers have called extremely frightening and upsetting. Available now on digital anywhere you rent or buy movies online, including Prime Video and Apple Plus. As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right. Over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs. Also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about Wix. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to LinkedIn.com slash results to claim your credit. That's LinkedIn.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. When you want to have fun and have scratchers to scratch, there's a playful way you can do just that. Scratch with the key or acrylic nail. Scratch with the quill from a porcupine tail. Use a belt buckle from your friend Lamar. Or scratch with your pick while you play guitar. You can scratch in a bunch of different playful ways. Scratchers from the California Lottery. A little play can make your day. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player claim. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. What is The Briefing Room? It's a behind-the-scenes look at how the criminal justice system works and the lives of the people within that system. If you love true crime, well, these are the real people who do the job every day of making sure justice is served. Hi, I'm Detective Dave. I'm Detective Dan. Together, we have decades of experience in local law enforcement, a profession that we think is often misunderstood. So we're going to explore how to do it right, and we won't shy away from when it's done wrong. These are stories you'll hear nowhere else. Unique, frank, and unvarnished. From the team that brought you Small Town Dicks, this is The Briefing Room. Episode 1 drops on August 30th. We'll meet you in The Briefing Room. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com Welcome to 
welcome back to Scarred for Life, the podcast where we open up old wounds by looking back at the films that scared us as kids. I'm Terry. And I'm Mary Beth. In each episode, our special guest brings with them a movie that traumatized them as a child. This week, our guest is writer Christine Makepeace. She's written books such as The Sound of Breaking Glass, and you've seen her writing in places such as Dread Central and Certified Forgotten. Welcome to the show! Hey, happy to be here! <laughs> I love matching that energy. <laughs> that looks, I'm I'm so excited to be here. I am a listener of the show. Aww. Very excited to talk to you guys about things that have uh, turned me into the ruined person I am today. <laughs> so we love to hear. <laughs> and again, it's always nice after talking to someone online and like editing each other's work. Like we've edited each other's work and read so much and DM'd. It's just like, oh my god, I am actually talking to you. It's so weird, but it's awesome. Yeah, so, yeah, weird and good. Weird and good. Yeah, weird in a good way. But first, let's let's hear about you as a writer. Mm-hmm. How did you kind of, like, when did you realize that you wanted to be a writer? It's super hack and cliche, but I've wanted to be a writer since I was a little tiny gal. Um, I used to write uh, books in elementary school, and they would get judged, and, like, just every year I would win. And I was like, well, I'm clearly very good at this. <laughs> I didn't realize that those third grade skills might not translate to the real world as a one for one, but (laughs) I've kept the passion alive. Hell yeah. So did you get into like fiction writing first or the nonfiction side of writing first? Like which kind of came first for you as a writer slash journalist? So fiction first, um, and then I don't know, I just never did anything with it. And um, back in the mid 2000s, I started writing for a magazine that does not exist anymore. And um, I didn't like the way they did anything. And I was very grumpy about them. So I went and started my own magazine. And that was Paracinema magazine. And it ran from uh, 2007 to 2012. I think wow. so during oh, wow. that period, all I did was write about movies, which was great, but mm. it burnt me out in a really profound way. So ah. after the magazine dissolved, I started to, I actually started writing fan fiction, like about the X-Men. Oh, oh okay. <laughs> Fuck. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so I wrote some, fan I was Fan fiction ra- is a beautiful art form. I, I will hear absolutely no slander on, on fan fiction. It is incredible. The amount of shit like pages that people can write is just it's gorgeous anyway i love fan fiction i agree with you i started writing some fan fiction and getting oh, yes. just like flexing some muscles again and then i was like how about i write a book and then i just kept writing books and interspersing non-fiction stuff i can't stop writing about movies and talking about movies i've tried and it just doesn't work <laughs> But I've yeah. I've I've uh, officially transitioned to uh, writing movies now, so oh, I just yeah. put them wow. both together. <laughs> I was like writing about That's movies, so cool. writing stories. Why don't we just do this? So we'll see how oh, that yeah. goes. I want to go back though. You said you wrote fan fiction about X Men. Who's yes. your favorite X Men? X Man. X Men. Magneto. Yes. Okay. I know he's not. Well, I mean, depends on what run you read. He's an X Man, but X Men. Uh, I love the X Men. I've loved them since I was a little tiny uh, person in the '90s. So I don't know. There's like a like Rogue is my favorite X Men, but like actually Magneto is. So. So Just the a, animated series big for you. Yeah. Formative. Yes. I love the X-Men. It laid the groundwork. And then I was like, hmm, maybe I should read comic books. Boy, it just opened a... I was never a big... So he, there are many times where like in, in like 
in hindsight, I'm like, I should have realized that I was gay because my my entry point into comics was Wolverine. I did not buy any other comics, but I had Wolverine and I was enamored with him. And I did not know why, but there was something about that short little hairy man that just like was doing it for me. That is a heartwarming story. <laughs> it, it's true. I mean, wow. people say like, oh, X-Men is like, you know, the, the the inclusive one and stuff. And for me, it was too. Like, mm-hmm. I didn't, that was what I cared about. I, I, I've since like read other comics and gotten into other characters. But when I was growing up, I couldn't be bothered with anything else. Like Batman, com- no, go away. I didn't care. It was just nope, the X-Men. Nope, me neither. And just looking, the X-Men, oh, particularly yeah. Wolverine for me. <laughs> Looking back, it's like, oh yeah, okay, I kind of get that, <laughs> mm-hmm. but I can't, I can't say a bad thing about Wolverine, and he did make some appearances in my fan fiction. So. Hell yeah! Wow, <laughs> fuck, that's so good, that's fucking incredible. But so then, I would love to hear how you got like into horror movies. Like, what? How did you get introduced to horror? Was it a family thing? Did you find out about it on your own? Like, what? How did the horror come into your life? basically. It was definitely a family thing. Um, Both my parents were like into movies. So like growing up um, behind the TV, there was like a big escape from New York poster. And oh, fuck. Yeah. Okay, cool. All right. So like it was, it was always (laughs) these genre movies were always around. And it wasn't like I like like one of the first movies my mom like specifically taped off TV to show me was Labyrinth. So like it was cool. al- somebody was always feeding me something. So I never had a chance. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> the first horror movie that I like really remember sitting down and like I'm just gonna watch this was Poltergeist, and it was uh, okay. some someone has already chosen it to speak of. So I did not choose it to speak of, but it was it was the first one that really. I I didn't like the way it made me feel, but I also liked that I didn't like the way it made me feel. And I was like, all right, I'm coming back for more. Um, How old were you? Do you remember? Probably like seven or eight. Okay. Nice. I was, I was, I was little, I was young and it was a face ripping scene. I was, Uh, I was, I was eating a burrito watching the face. No, No, absolutely not. Terrible. On like a Sunday afternoon. And I was like, (laughs) why did anybody let, who was watching me? (laughs) Uh, I mean, that whole sequence in food in particular, like the steak that's like inching its way across and like maggots pouring out of it to him ripping his face off. Like, that's a lot. Like, it looks like meat as he's pour- tearing his face Girls off. Look like oh. Jelly. Gross it's, jelly. It, and then not long after the afterbirth when they pop out of the weird ceiling womb slash <laughs> yeah, so a, a lot of goopiness. And honestly, to this day, I'm, I'm, I'll do most any, I'll watch most anything. Goopiness really gets me. I don't like okay. things that are wet or sl- like slimy or like, you know that genre? <laughs> yes it's still like that i the guess blob. does the blob fuck you up no i like the blob a lot okay all, okay all iterations i actually just listened to the Haley piper episode <laughs> with the blob and i i just i love that movie i i don't know what it is i have weird rules in okay, my brain and, and, but i think it's the meatiness coupled with the goopiness and this is why you should read christine's work it is very descriptive <laughs> really paints a visual picture for you Thanks. about meaty thank goop you. thank you meaty um, goop oh <laughs> new book title 
Yeah. That is a phrase I never thought I would hear. Maybe yeah. goop. Maybe goop. Oh, how many times can we can can like a movie say squelching though? Like that is that squelching is a, that's a subgenre. Squelching yes. continues. Squelching yeah. continues. <laughs> that's a subgenre of horror, I think, and it's, yeah. it's I mean, one true. that can turn my stomach. I mean, I I like it, but anyway, um, so Christine, <laughs> like growing up. Then, if you were you were watching horror, what were some of your favorites growing up? Um, Poltergeist. Uh, okay. So this is actually going to tie into what we're going to be talking about. Oh, but perfect! I saw enough stuff. Real, like I remember walking down and catching uh, my parents watching Nightmare on Elm Street, and then running upstairs and sitting in the middle of my bed with all the lights on and just not sleeping. So oh. I. I realized very early that I did not like to be scared, so I avoided it for a really long time, okay. like actively oh, being scared. Okay. So, and what we'll be talking about was is something that very much terrified me, and I think it set, it laid the groundwork for the whole like, hey, maybe you shouldn't be looking at this stuff. <laughs> so, so you were kind of a scaredy kid growing up. I. I think so. Like, I used to read Fear Street books. Like, they okay. it was my job. Mm. So, like, I mm. was always seeking it out. But there was mm. uh, I, there were, like, limits. I didn't want to yeah. get too freaked okay. out and too petrified. So I think I, I definitely saw some stuff way too early and then pulled it back to something that was more age-appropriate. Uh, okay. So, like, yeah. so like I used to – used to. Who am I kidding? I love slasher movies. And so that was my horror. Like, okay. when I was in, like, my uh, late okay. teens. So mm. it was, like, the, the Texas Chainsaw. And, and eventually scream and all that stuff and then i would move on i think to maybe some of the more disturbing stuff like oh. i don't like haunted house movies really get to me ghosts really scare me so oh. later that was something that i embraced so but earlier it was like slashers and whatnot yes definitely yeah. what was like, your favorite growing up halloween halloween absolutely oh. uh we watched halloween like Halloween night when I was like 15 and I, I yeah, cool. and I was like this is there's literally nothing better than this this is this is the height I will never be 15 watching Halloween on Halloween ever again and I knew oh. it at that moment I was like this is special and that's how I feel about the genre as a whole like I love slashers I think they're such good represent like they're mirrors of what's happening in society at the time they're made so I think they're really fascinating yeah what are what is one of your favorite like recent slashers <sighs> I don't know. That's a big question. Um, I really liked the, the new Halloween movie, not to continue to talk about Halloween forever. Um, ha- Halloween Ends? That's what you we call did. that one. I You liked ha- Halloween Ends? I did. I, oh, was, wow. I was so high when I watched it. I was so high when I watched it. But like, there were... <laughs> Are we not Halloween Ends fans here? Not really. Yeah. We'll kill... But See, res- respect. I Again... Respect. It's just not my was not my thing. I went on a real journey with that new that new trilogy because <laughs> that first movie. So, like I said, growing up, I was all about the Halloween, and my my youthful boyfriend at the time was also really obsessed with Michael Myers. He wasn't a great guy, so <laughs> I was. <laughs> That was my shorthand for that story. But um, watching... incredible. It, 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 everything we needed to know was right. That he presented, right we knew everything we needed to know about him. Not a great guy. But um, <laughs> so when Halloween came out and it like ended with that like Lori taking him down and and these women getting like I cried in the theater. It was just so cathartic. And then Kills yeah. comes out and I'm like, 
like what why why did you do this to me like you pulled the rug out for i had i had an article penned i had i had ready to pitch it and then i saw it and i was like oh no i hate you all and you ruined this franchise for me then i watched <laughs> the last one and i was like wait a minute is this genius huh huh Emmett, <laughs> do you have an answer I think, what is your I, answer i think it is i was Oh, interesting. I have a whole theory. This isn't Halloween cast, although it could be if you wanted it to be. But <laughs> um, that first movie, I think that first movie is the movie that they wanted to make. And then they had to make or agreed to make or decided to make two more. And I think the other two don't have anything to do with the first one. So if, you watch, if you watch the third one as its own thing and kind of its own little analog to the, the original third film, Season of the Witch... And and just in like like slasher tropes in general, it kind of plays more like like a goofy, non-serious send-up of the genre. When you try to watch all three together, it they're not good. It's not good. It's not a good trilogy. Huh. Okay. <laughs> okay. Okay. Again, I will reiterate, I was very high when I watched it. <laughs> At this current moment, that feels incredibly generous of you, and I respect it. It just feels very generous, and that's okay. I did like the first one. I just don't like the other two, but that's okay. Evil dies tonight. <laughs> when, when did it die? I don't remember. Tonight. It's going to die tonight. I, Evil dies tonight, guys. Come Oof. on. Um, uh, on, that, on that note, uh, let's take a quick, brief break, and then we will... Come on back to talk about your Scarred for Life pick, Christy. As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right. Over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs. Also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. And we're back. Wow. That was so, wow. What a commercial break. Um, So, Christine, what movie slash not movie, but what, what piece of media did you bring with you today for us to discuss? Well, you sent me a handy-dandy little list, and I had noticed that some other folks had some television on it. I can't, couldn't think of anything. I even asked my husband, I said, what am I, what scared me? Because I couldn't pick Poltergeist. Um, And he said Poltergeist, and I said, I can't pick that. So I sat there and I thought, what scared me? And truly, the only thing that gave me actual nightmares, like, could not could not sleep because I knew I would dream about this was uh Punky Brewster episodes um Punky Brewster season two episodes six and seven Punky's Perils of Punky I think is what they're called yes um, yeah all right horrifying <laughs> yes so just to set the scene for everybody who's not familiar with this at all as I was not familiar at all uh Punky and the gang go on a camping trip <laughs> 
When the children get lost in a cave, Punky tells a ghost story about an evil spirit who threatens the lake. That's part one. And then part two, the children do battle with an evil spirit when the ghost of a of an indigenous princess appears to tell Punky that it must be fought with love. So, okay. What? <laughs> All right. Before we get to your scarred for life story with this, can you take us back? At what what is Punky Brewster? Yeah, what is okay. Punky Brewster? So, I always, uh, I've heard people talk about Punky Brewster, but I thought I did not know it was a small like girl. I didn't know it, it was a young girl. It's a little lady. Um, so I made a vow to not call myself old repeatedly during this, but I I am old now, oh, and I think me that's too. okay. I, I should have been watching this. I don't know why I never watched this. I mean, I was I would have been 3 when it came out, when it yeah. started. Yeah. So I was I was born in 82 and it started in 84 and went to 86, I believe. And then was in in reruns, so I don't know when I saw it. I I don't know what age I was, but I was I was very young. And um Punky Brewster was a show I watched. It was just kind of on. Um it's about uh, a little girl who gets abandoned at a grocery store and then a nice man <laughs> Uh, oh, it's so sad. I was not expecting the like foster parent thing in the opening. I was like, wait, yeah, yep. show about adopt a this abandoned child. It truly is. And then a landlord oh. adopts her. And I don't typically like landlords, but Henry's really nice, and he takes care of her. And she makes she has a group of friends. And um, one of the reasons why people kind of reference or know Punky Brewster now is because it, it hits some like topical stuff at the time. So there was okay. the episode where Cherry got uh, stuck in the refrigerator. And for a long time, you knew that you needed to take the doors off your old refrigerators or little kids will go in them and get stuck in them. Oh, that's where that. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so <laughs> I had I. I knew I, I had heard of Punky Brewster. I knew nothing about her. And as I'm like, as as this is coming up as like we're gonna talk about this, I was like, I'm gonna go to Wikipedia and find out what this show is about. Cause you're dropping us into the thick of things in season two with this with this these two episodes. And what I loved is on Wikipedia, it literally says Punky is a warm, funny, and bright child. Her father walked out on her family. Then her mother abandoned her at a Chicago shopping center. They were shopping for groceries, leaving Punky alone with her dog. Brandon. Afterwards, Punky discovers a vacant apartment in a local building. So she is living in a vacant built apartment building? Like an apartment? Yes. So she's living in a a unit in Henry's building that he he owns and rents out. And he finds her and he's going to like kick her out, I guess, or give her back to, you know, the state and decides to foster her instead. And then they have a lovely relationship. There's a lot going on. It it's was like, try- <laughs> it's like working class Annie. <laughs> it is. So it was very working class. It was there were like poor kids in it. There was Margo's the rich one. There were poor kids in it and they dealt with like just say no to drugs and and stuff like that and like Wait, okay, the episode after this I w- I almost took a picture of this Christina sent it to you today cuz I was fucking rolling. It was the episode after and it was like the kids do drugs or like yes. something very basic. I was like, "I'm sorry. What?" <laughs> It, it like, like it was something weird about like needing to be in a group so they did drugs so obviously it was about like peer pressure and stuff but I was yeah. like what is the show they they hit on some like classic eighties topical stuff like you know what we were all getting stuck in refrigerators doing drugs in the eighties so they a TV yeah. show had to tell us to stop I've heard that about the eighties <laughs> it was dangerous wow. <laughs> 
<laughs> I, I just, I don't, I, the, the premise of this, let alone what we, we get to eventually this episode is so wild to me. I just, I was like taken aback by it. I'm like this poor little kid. Yeah. And it sounds like the first season is all about like Henry attempting to become her foster parent and the struggles therein. I'm like this is, this is really heavy stuff for a kid's show. I believe from what I understand, I, I'm not 100% sure if this is correct. It did air at night. It was a yeah. prime time. Mm-hmm. Yes. It, which it, is when, weird. when it was in syndication, it wasn't, I think it was just ended up wherever when it was in syndication. But yeah, when it originally aired, it was like, like eight o'clock, eight thirty or something. Yeah, yeah, which is it's which a, is it strange. Like right after football, too. I said it was like it's like it was right after football games, and I'm like, great lead-in. <laughs> now we have The Last of Us. Is what we watch on Sunday nights. <laughs> like, oh, how far we've come. Well, actually, if you depressing I can, narratives all around, just one's a little bit. I'll more pitch produced. you an article about Last of Us versus Punky Brewster. <laughs> What had the more lasting effects? I'm ready to read that. All right. <laughs> I'm ready. I'm so I'm, I'm very prepared for this. Okay, so had you, had you watched like a lot of the Punky Brewsters? Is this was this like something you would watch as a kid? Yeah, it was always on. Like, um, okay. uh, you know, as my generation, uh, TV raised us, so nobody was watching. Yeah. Me. So it was yeah. it was always on, and um. Uh, watching, I hadn't watched as an adult though, and I certainly have not watched this as an adult. I've Googled this because I needed to know if my memory of it was right, and it was, but I haven't watched it. And it is, my second note that I made was, I'm so sorry I made you watch this. Because (laughs) it doesn't, um, it doesn't play that great. It's very slow and plodding and very childish, especially considering it was in that time slot. Because even something like Full House, which would be like, you know, half a dozen years later or whatever, um, Full House was more grown up than this. There was, there's, yeah, this was very like a baby show, like not to be rude to babies. How dare you speak poorly to babies? Um, but it it definitely succeeding it was like a sitcom that played in that time slot is weird because it felt like a kid show like mm-hmm. the way that it it just felt had the kid show vibe it felt very juven a juvenile in the yeah, way definitely and like and then you know because like the sixth the episode the part one is like setting up everything and then episode the part two is where it goes like full wild but that still doesn't it still that felt like a Nickelodeon show in a way and I thought mm-hmm. like. I mean that in a bad way, but like it definitely again felt like a chi- like a chi- like a more childish thing. Like I am having a very hard time imagining people after a football game watching that episode and being like, it got canceled. Like I think it got canceled midway through season two. So <laughs> I don't think I don't I don't I think maybe your reaction was the common reaction. Yeah, from what I understand, <laughs> yeah. it was very okay. popular with kids, but like parents did not watch it, and so it was a ratings disaster. Yeah, and so they ended up canceling it but that kind of leads us to to these two episodes in particular how did you see them how old were you why is this your scarred for life pick give kind of give us give us your horror story i want to hear i want to hear it all because this is wild well it so i just was kind of on i don't remember how old i was i don't think i watched it live so maybe once it hit syndicate maybe i was four or five i was young when i saw it yeah um and it was probably the first really scary thing i ever saw um so there's 
so obviously there's there's themes of abandonment looking back Mm -hmm. on it there are other things that probably bothered me about it but i wasn't really aware of it um there were just it was specifically visuals in the second one so the evil demon monster spirit in the cave slowly takes away punky's friends and leaving her abandoned and as uh, there's a point where all the friends come back and they're like horrific now looking at it through not just adult eyes but 2023 eyes it all looked very bad but when i was small um a little boy's face in a wall and oh a little God. girl with a, a seemingly very long neck kind of popping out of the wall and then like a a girl that looked dead yelling at you it was just all a lot and i used to have a reoccurring nightmare where i would think i was awake laying in bed and i would see alan's face in the wall that mm. little face in the wall and mm-hmm. then i would realize i was dreaming and then i couldn't wake up it was it Oof. happened like three or four times it was reoccurring and horrifying and and yeah so <laughs> So um, it was. It was. It would make me stick to my stomach. I would get so worried thinking about the fact that I would go to bed and dream about that awful face, and I think I probably only saw it the one time. I don't ever think I saw it again. Why would I do oh. that to myself? Oh shit! <laughs> so I, the, I, not having seen any other episodes, I have to ask: Is this like any other episode? Because it, it feels. From what I have read, feels very far removed from a typical Punky Brewster episode. And I'm glad you bring that up because my husband even said, "Are they all like this?" And I was like, <laughs> "No, no, they're not." Um, so no. And I like I even then I liked the spooky version. I liked the 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 weird version, the genre version of things. So like being presented with like oh this is this this is the halloween punky brewster this is the scary punky brewster is very exciting now it would have been more exciting if like they all dressed up and then maybe like went and got candy and then thought they saw a ghost and then all that stuff but no they saw a giant spider and then i'm so sorry my vacuum just turned on hold on a second let me turn my vacuum off <laughs> Ah, technology. <laughs> Thanks. I forgot it was going to auto go at 6:30. I apologize. <laughs> no, okay. uh, what fucking vacuum do you have? Jesus, I a little Roomba guy. Yeah, oh, not really. Okay. It's a fake Roomba. But he's well. he's a little Roomba man and he said 6:30, time to clean. <laughs> <laughs> I have to clean. Oops, sorry guys. Must so vacuum. I have no idea what I was saying, but I'm sure it was very salient and important. <laughs> Something you, you were about... talking about. <laughs> You're talking about how, um, like Halloween trick or treating. Oh yeah, seeing, so... but here's a spider. <laughs> yes, if this had been a classic Halloween episode of a television show, I think I probably would have loved it, and I would have said, "Oh, remember that fun Halloween Punky Brewster where she was a cute little witch, and there was this cat that talked." Well, that's Sabrina, but you know, something like that. <laughs> right. But but it wasn't. There was. A weird it was it it's also extremely trippy and psychedelic again yeah. watching <laughs> watching it now it's like what is this i can't imagine what that looked like to a child i don't know why they showed that to children I, what- <laughs> and it's so totally different from the first half because it's like literally just like yeah. ah yes we're going into the woods together like we're going it's punky and her foster dad and who's the woman i don't um that's Cherry's grandmother. She yeah, okay. She lives in the building with them. 
Okay, so they've all gone camping slash to the out of doors and they have a cute little moment. So they're like, we're outside. Wow, it's summer. And I'm like, oh, childhood. And they get lost in a cave and they see a fire burning and they were like, oh, someone's been waiting for us. And then they just, it, it, Native Americans just come out of the shadows. And I was like, <laughs> what? No, the, yeah. the, the 80s, truly, what a time. I was like, what? Was Christine just very aware as a child and this scared her? <laughs> yes, I, I did. I was aware of the plight of the indigenous people. Um, but yeah. no, it obviously plays really in real poor taste now. Real poor taste. Yeah. Um, not not good. All the Native American and indigenous folk stuff and the the lore and the names is all like savior complex of the characters. Let's like... just, let's... We've been waiting for Punky Brewster, a young white girl who was abandoned in a grocery store yes. to save us. All on a hike with her foster father. Yeah, they've been waiting many waiting. years for this to happen, yeah. and. But like I don't. That's the funny thing is I didn't even remember that. There, there are whole parts of this that I I didn't remember. And then when like so at the end, the the Princess Moon is play, played by uh, I can't think of her name. I don't know why Punky Brewster, Salil Moonfry, however you say her name. It's played by her. I remember what a that name. I know for real. I'm on to talk with my last name. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> they, the, I remember that. I remember the little girl and dressed up. But then all the other stuff with the headdresses and the tomahawks, and I did not. At one point, she's like, "It's a tomahawk," and it's like CGI floating through the air. I was like, "We have gone from a very straightforward, weird, like culturally, just like even a standard cultural appropriation sitcom to just like something that." Feels like an experimental film someone made in their basement. <laughs> yeah, because the way they visualize that, like, cave spirit, it's like green screen and you can you can see some of it shimmering. It's very Star Trek, very classic Star Trek. It's like someone took a pair of sequin pants and, like, kind of, like, waved it in front of a green screen, <laughs> but, like, put red in it. And it's like, but it's not fully there. I was watching it um, in a, the office I shared with my husband and he walked in. He's like, what? What is what is that? <laughs> it was like, Punky Brewster. He's like, that's Punky Brewster? I'm like, I don't think this is what it usually is, but that's the episode I'm watching. Oh, I'm watching for the podcast, by the way. I'm like, I'm not just watching Punky <laughs> Brewster like, for fun. No hate to anyone so who does, I, but... What's... Okay, so... I don't even know where to start. Okay, watching this, the first episode, I was watching this going, okay... What about this is going to get spooky? And, you know, they're in the cave. There's the there's the fire. They get told the story. They go down the path. The The cave closes in on them like a mouth. Like there's stalactites and stalagmites. And they close behind them right after, of course, she says something about like, what what was the qu the quote? It was, um, oh, you know, if we if things get too hairy, we can come back here. Goodbye, cave. Hello, world. And that's when everything starts to close. And. Things start to shake. The dog goes wild. I felt so bad for that poor dog as it is like freaking out as like things are rumbling. Things are falling down from the sky. It's kind of it's kind of creepy in that moment. Like kids in peril. This is this is scary. Yes, it looks a little cheap. Yes, it obviously was filmed on like a soundstage. And it's very kind of 
inexpensive looking, but still, the idea behind it is a little traumatizing. And as they're walking, I kept thinking, this reminds me of It. Of, like, some of the finale right? of It. Oh, yep. shit. This okay. came out before It. So, did Stephen King watch this and add this to his book? Because It came out, spider. like, a, two years later. There's a giant spider. There's, oh, there's kids in the cave. Kids fighting It with, like, the idea of fear itself. And mm-hmm. I'm like, there's some connections here. It's actually a lot more than I had originally thought. You're completely right. I didn't even... Think about the fear thing just, and the like, yeah, and vibes. the love. Yep, that's very true. I had to actually go look. I was like, did the book come out? And this is like a riff on it. No, the book did not come out for like a year or two after this came out. See, I just assumed the book had already been out, and this was just kind of like a low key. Let's just steal. No, that's fascinating. It Maybe was just Stephen the- King stole from Punky Brewster. <laughs> There are stranger places to find inspiration (laughs) as this was starting. So you both said like the first episode is like, oh, whatever. And I agree. But when they first walk into that cave and they see like themselves drawn on the wall. Yes. I think that's Mm -hmm. defined me as a creative. Every story I've ever written is essentially that. (laughs) (laughs) like that like have we been here before is like identity weird stuff that and seeing it i i turned to my husband and i said i'm about to be exposed for fraud because everything that i i've pulled so much stuff from this without really realizing it because terry you said like the the, um stalactites coming in like teeth i picture that regularly and had no idea where it was from until i rewatched this i'm like whoa that's where that but i picture somebody getting like closed in by a cave when someone's like gets stuck by like a cave-in or something that's what i picture like things locking into place and i was like huh i bet it's because of this this left an indelible mark on you it sounds like clearly clearly But what I do love is at the very end of that, you know, it's like leaving on like sort of a a kind of slow paced note. And then all of a sudden there's a neon spider jump scare as it like lunges at the screen. And I was like, what? Yep. And then episode over. (laughs) (laughs) Got to wait another week to find out what's going to happen. Did I take a screenshot? I think I did because it like I I paused it. That was that was the first time Steve walked by and was like... (laughs) what the fuck is that? And I was like, well, that was not the weird, like, I love a good, like, freeze frame dissolve, like, ending to a horror movie. Was not expecting to get that at the end of Punky Rooster. High art. (laughs) This is high art. High art. (laughs) High fucking art. Wow. So in this in this first episode in particular, there are some like it's cheesy, but I have to say some of it did kind of make me chuckle. There's like a quote where I don't remember who said it, but someone says, look, a duck. And then it vanishes. And they're like, where'd it go? He ducked. I'm like, this is dumb. I laughed at that. I laughed at I that. still laughed at it as an adult. <laughs> There's some good like um, like stock jokes in this. Um, there are. And I, think, I think a stock like, joke can be funny. It's a cute little like, cute little kid gags, like peasants, like very cute, like kids being okay. assholes that make you kind of giggle. You're like Margo. Okay. What is her story? Margot is very rich. I do not remember why okay. she hangs out with these kids. I can't remember. But she is very rich and she is very elitist and she thinks she is very much above them all. Um, and I, she was kind of always one of my secret favorites. 
I don't know why. I, I think this really led into. I like. I I like the bitchy girl. I like the bimbo. I like. I the rich bitch. These are all oh. fun, fun stereotypes, fun well, archetypes to play the with. Best, but yeah. Yes, I am a huge fan. So again, this might have seeded that. I was like, hmm, that Margot, terrible to everyone. I like her. I like her style. But she does get the best. A bit of dialogue in this. There's the yeah. moment in episode two where she's where she's sitting there like shocked, and she says, "I can't take any more of this. I'm a delicate person, you know. I have bird bones." Tweet, tweet, <laughs> tweet. It's hilarious. Yep. I ended up having to rewind that a few times because I was cackling yep. at at this performance. Like she gives a great little bit of of line delivery there. It's so weird. And honestly, I call myself a delicate flower constantly. And I do. I wonder if it's a runner of hers. I wonder if she like says stuff like that a lot, because that could, exp- again, explain another weird wow, personality. Christine, you're just a walking reference. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. What we found out is I, I am 90 percent Punky Brewster. And I like that's it. The other ten percent is probably Jim Henson. There are worse. There are worse things to be. She seems like she's got gumption. Like she's a sassy, cool, resourceful little kid. So, yeah, and yeah. she, you know, the power of love. There's worse uh, things to learn. Yeah, that's that's true. There are worse things to learn. And then uh, the other kids <laughs> rounding out this little bit of group. We have Alan. Who is Alan? What is I his? Don't, I hate Alan. I do not remember Alan at all. I, other than his his. Sp- awful little face in that wall i i don't remember anything about him it's awful and, and it's I, awful it looks bad it looks bad bad but it also looks like unsettling like deeply he's got deeply. like weird like yellowed rat teeth it's very strange it's very 1980s creature feature like very exactly. it feels like a, like it feels like i got vibes of like one of the creatures in like a argento giallo that pops out of a basement kind of like <laughs> vibes yeah that pasty skin Ugh, gross and then there's sherry sherry cherry sherry. Cherry. cherry yeah cherry i that and- tripped me up as a kid because her name is cherry the, the actress, her character's name is Cherry, yeah. and I didn't, and it wasn't spelled like the Cherry that I knew. I right, like, same. Just, see, I'm tell- this show really but got to me. Cherry Cherry Johnson plays herself because Cherry her- Johnson plays Cherry Johnson in the show. I'm like, yeah, what? Yeah, <laughs> how does that? How does that work? Why that, that could break a little kid's brain? I I didn't it know breaks mine <laughs> about all that. <laughs> she she. She was also great. I, I liked her a lot. She's very stylish. All of these kids, very stylish. Oh, Punky um, is incredibly stylish. Yeah, what the fuck? For... Like, Punky, I want to raid your wardrobe. Shit. Like, that's, like, the aesthetic I want as an adult. Well, that and that was a thing back then, too. Like, that Punky Brewster aesthetic. Like, you could get clothes that looked like that. And, like, wearing two different Converse. It was, she was kind of like Madonna for, like, very little kids in the <laughs> 80s. <laughs> Terry, thank you for appreciating that. Because uh, all I'm thinking about in particular is Madonna with the cones. I was like, just... I was like, Punky Brewster with just like tiny no. little like, like ice cream cones on her. But... I was like, not, yeah. not that, not exactly like that. I know, but... I know. <laughs> like, especially during the Like a Virgin era in the 80s, there was like teen tweens and teens that were very much into like lace gloves oh. and stuff so oh, like yeah. you got exception. a little sister maybe she wants to wear two different color converse like funky brewster i'm here that for makes, it wait i feel like my grandparents like 
once compared me to Punky Brewster because I liked wearing like quote unquote quirky clothes. So that makes some things or there you go connecting. <laughs> it's just been Punky Brewster this whole time. <laughs> Punky Brewster is the creator of the universe. <laughs> it's, I mean, it, thanks to Punky Brewster that Stephen King has that book. We're finding out now. <laughs> You're welcome. I mean, oh my god, we wouldn't. Oh wow, this is just we can't yeah. go down this route. <laughs> I mean, okay, but here's the other thing that I realized though is, is that there's <laughs> there's so we get we get Alan's face in the wall, right? Mm-hmm. And then there's like. A brief shot of him as a zombie-ish yeah. character. Yeah. Was that him or was that Margot? I thought it was him. Is oh, it not? They were like young kids with blonde hair. I wasn't quite sure. Well, Margot had that like uh, the oh, safari the hat. hat on. I don't oh, know. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's not what it's called. She was like a skeleton, right? <laughs> she like, was a skeleton. Dancing skeleton. Oh, that's not the skeleton. I forgot about the skeleton. <laughs> <laughs> that skeleton... Hers is arguably the best. So yeah, she does have a a floating skeleton, like a Halloween store skeleton, and she has like a zombie face up close. But then the skeleton like bursts apart. I don't understand. And then the dog turns into a giant skeleton at one point too. Yeah, a dinosaur skeleton replaces that dog. It's such a huge skeleton. It's so big. I was like... I don't understand scale. I don't think I was like this. Angie doesn't understand scale very well. <laughs> but who, whoever it is that has like the cl- close, there's like an up close face shot, and it's like a little green. I don't know if it's because yep. the light is reflected on him, and there's like a little scar or whatever. And mm-hmm. she's like punky, punky. It brought me, speaking of Stephen King, back to Pet Cemetery, the movie with the little kid, like with the knife, and I'm like, yep. aesthetics. There is a direct continuation here of aesthetics mm. with Stephen King work. I think this, he stole. This might be the ultimate uh, gateway to Stephen King. We I broke it. We broke it wide, fucking open. <laughs> the conspiracy goes all the way to the top. <laughs> all the way to the fucking top. So, Mary Beth, what 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 did you think of this? Watching this. Um, what did I think watching this? I think I was mostly just shocked, like, with this, with the second episode, especially of like, I was again, I was, it's kind of similar. I was like, okay, so we're gonna get some kind of like scary, like they see something scary in the cave, like, you know, standard, like scary episode situation, like they get lost in the cave and think a shadow is a ghost and it's actually Mm -hmm. like a squirrel and they get saved and it'll be great. Which is like a which is like things that would have like you know scared me as a kid, but then this just goes full on fucking weird like nonsense horror movie route of like ghosts popping up with ghostly tomahawks and learning about the power of love. So it it just was such a strange. It felt like something that you would see on Adult Swim at like one in the morning. Mm. You know what I mean? Like that would be a parody of what a sitcom is supposed to be. Which I find so funny that, again, that this was debuting that, like, prime time on a sun, like, on Sunday nights. Like, I want to just, I want to be a fly on the wall in all of the homes where they watch that. And we're just like. (laughs) (laughs) And I, but I do kind of admire that, though. I was like, honestly, this is fucking nuts. And I kind of respect a show like this, especially now having, like, all the context about it. Like, going nuts like that and just making a scary episode that is, like. A co- cosmic horror being haunting a lake and like these kids having to solve the riddle of the cosmic horror that no one else can solve like this 
<laughs> it's always like these sad fucking characters that are like put into these situations that are like, yes, You're that they're like it they're... again. <laughs> <laughs> this punky brewster episode though (laughs) (laughs) like everything you're saying you could be actually talking about seeing it for the first time i mean true and it kind of is i mean good lord but i mean i was i was very pleasantly (laughs) surprised by what i saw and i'm gonna keep it's it sounds like i'm talking about it now i can't stop thinking about it (laughs) And I'm going to just keep thinking about it, trip over my words. <laughs> but again, I had no experience with this. So I was just like, I thought it was like a weird, again, I thought it was like a weird kid show. I was like, okay, mm-hmm. nope, uh, not that. So, yes. But I was going to bring you back to what you were talking about earlier, Christine, because the thing that jumped out at me um, in particular that was not necessarily like supernatural horror but was horrifying in and of itself is when all of her friends are, are are going away they're vanishing and then she has this vision of henry and mrs johnson and mrs johnson says all i found was an empty cave and henry says i guess we'll have to accept the fact that pumpkin and cherry are gone say la vie and all of a sudden they're talking about how hard it is to raise a kid, how expensive it is. And they're like, yeah, it's time to move on to other things. We're going to go to Club Med. Like, it's it's it digs into this idea that Punky is afraid of being abandoned and is afraid of... He definitely of... doesn't have abandonment issues. It's no, definitely fine. not. And she she is afraid that the people that she loves is going are going to eventually leave her. And that, I think, kind of ties into a little bit of what I'm understanding the series is about. But, like... That's that's a heavy thing to just plop into this episode. It, it is, and and it, it really does like a, a chicken or the egg kind of thing for me. Like, so did it bother me because it had all these deep themes of abandonment and the people that you're supposed to rely on disappearing or leaving you, like a like a death analog to, or mm-hmm. did it? did the visuals upset me? And then I just go back later and say, Oh, this happens to be about abandonment as well. Um, I'm not really sure. I don't know what little, I don't know what little me's trauma was at that point. I don't know what she had collected. (laughs) Um, She might've had, she might've had a lot. And so the abandonment stuff might have really hit, but I mean, it makes sense if you're just looking at it as like a story in this show, because yeah, Punky's dad walked out on her and then her mom left her at a grocery store. Everybody she's cared about has just willingly walked away from her. So of course the most horrifying thing she can think of is that she loses all these new people in her life. And uh, that stuff with, uh, with Henry and Mrs. Johnson is heartbreaking. Like the fact that Mm -hmm. she can sit there and like imagine a conversation where two adults just decide they don't want kids anymore is just, really upsetting well and what i got kind of from this again without any other context from this episode is that they are kind of her pseudo parents you have you have henry and then you also have mrs johnson because i i got the kind of like familial feel from her too and i don't know if that is if that's true in in the series or not but that's what in the initially for me she was presented as and then by the end of the episode the fact that they are leaving just as casually as her parents seem to have left her is like fuck (laughs) That's a lot. It, it is a lot. And and I think I think this was very high concept and I think it was a really great idea. Um I don't again, I still don't know if it was an appropriate thing to do for a children's show. It just seems like it's just a lot. It's a lot happening. 
It went very avant-garde very quickly. <laughs> it, yes. It did. We didn't even talk about Mr. Pieces, which was horrifying. Oh my god. Mr. As... Pieces, played by the ghost actor. The ghost in the subway ghost actor. Yep. And the organ grinder from Batman Returns. I love that guy. Oh shit, that's right. I think this was the... Oh I'm... shit. I was going to say, I think this was the first thing I saw him in. I'm going to say this was definitely the first thing I saw him in. Um, and I knew it was him because, again, I've looked up pictures of this, but he's a man and his head is in one place and his arms and his legs are in a different place. Uh-huh. That imagery of his arms coming out of a, a boulder and his leg just hang. I think about that all the time and I don't think I knew it was from this. It's really disturbing. Like, the it, cave is, ate him. That is a disturbing image. Like, I was like what the fuck is this? And it's it's played off a little bit like jokey, like someone, you know, um, shakes the hand and kicks the knee and the knee, like the leg kind of kicks up. Mm-hmm. Like if you, as if you were to go to like a doctor and they're testing your like reflexes or whatnot, but it's, it's horrifying when you think about it. And then his head is just discombobulated coming out of um, a rock in the middle of the room. It's like, <laughs> who comes up with this? Were they high? I, I mean, Look, maybe, but when you watch it high, it didn't make any more sense. I just, I mean, maybe it didn't to somebody that did that, not me, obviously. But (laughs) I think at the end of the day, what I learned is that there was some genuinely disturbing, weird stuff in this, which I always worried there wasn't. I always worried, like, why did I get so upset about this baby show? But I think they they really were no, doing like, stuff. There were some oh. weirdly like upsetting things going on there that are like, what is uh, what is this? And Punky having to go by uh, by herself, understanding the power of love and self acceptance. Like good for her, but also like that's a terrifying thing to like watch a child confront. Because how old it, is again, she? What like, little? How old like, is she? Six or eight or something? Yeah, she's, like, she's, she's a little baby. That's <laughs> an existential crisis to be having at at such a young age. Well, and then she's like. This isn't real. It's playing a trick on me. And then he, she looks over and the dog is the dinosaur. And I'm like, Jesus Christ. Like, this is just so much happening in 24 minutes. Just like jam packed full of weird, trippy imagery that like, did Phil Tippett help animate it? Maybe. Like, <laughs> Jesus Christ. Well, is he, did he get his start on fucking Punky Brewster? <laughs> So what's what's funny is that this this episode did kind of scar a generation, and I did find a Yahoo interview with the director Yahoo Art Dealhen, I think I don't know how to pronounce his last name. Um, he directed before this episode. He had directed twenty episodes, and oh, in total did forty four of the entire series. And when they're interviewing him, his quote was, quote, so basically you're saying I scarred an entire generation. I'm sorry. I wasn't responsible. I was just taking orders. And his his thought about this was that it was just a very challenging episode to direct. Um, and so he had a very different experience making it than in quotes than, than you describe having seen it. And he says that they always tried to make the set as fun and playful as they could for the kids because they would be going to school and then they'd come to the set and they're buoyancy kindness and desire for fun played into every scene they also had a little quote from from cherry johnson and she was talking about how like they were just laughing while doing this because apparently on the weekends they would have slumber parties 
between Moon and 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 Foster during which they'd watch flicks like the Texas Chainsaw Massacre and their Omen and the Omen while their parents were cooking blood red foods like spaghetti and chili. Oh we would gross God. everyone out around us. We were having the time of our lives, she said, laughing. We were just different kinds of kids, I guess, because we knew it wasn't real. When we were shooting perils, we knew there was a props department. We probably saw them making the spider and hoisting it up on its wires, so I don't think the crew was worried about us being afraid. If anything, they had to be afraid of us trying to jump and play on it. Ah, I, will, I love that for them, honestly, because it did cross <laughs> my mind last night when I was watching it. I was like, I wonder if, like, this was upsetting if seeing like a guy in the walls was upset. Like, but I mean, it seems like everyone let those children know that it was fake. Like they knew, they knew not to, not to take it seriously. I, on the other hand, needed somebody to tell me that. Well, and I feel like probably on the set, like building a giant spider, it probably like, I I feel like whenever I talk to people who don't like horror movies, but are in horror movies, like you just see how everything is made. So it's like so much easier to be like, it's not like disconnect from it mm-hmm. like they, like you see a giant spider or you're just a weird fucking kid too and like that also is an incredibly valid thing like <laughs> and you're just like fuck yeah like this is really weird and i'm excited to be a part of it you'd also brought up cherry's head coming out of the shadows that gave me juan the grudge i think the second one in particular with like the head it it felt very like j-horror of like the head kind of popping out of the shadows and i could see how that would be terrifying as a kid yeah yeah, yeah. i i definitely i alan was exactly how i remembered but mm-hmm. cherry for some reason in my head her neck is very long and she looks around a corner with it okay look i clearly my brain just crafted that one to terrify <laughs> myself because it did not happen <laughs> But I guess there was enough there for me to push it to something uh, terrifying, even more so than what we saw. So it's funny, though, that face, because in this same interview, Cherry said that her mother still has the molding of her head and she hadn't seen it in 30 years. And um, where was it? Like, okay, the molding of my head was used for the prop with the red eyes. My brother put it on his face recently and I hadn't seen it in 30 years. I was like, what is that? And so, like, that is something that that she still has the prop of. (laughs) I mean, I guess I'm glad it's in good hands and not going to be activated (laughs) to come after me at some point. That's true. (laughs) Well, so, you know, we this this made Terry and I think a lot about, like, other shows that have had, like, scary episodes or things like that. And I think... Like, Terry, did you, is there any episodes of shows that stuck out to you that, like, had some kind of impact, like, scary impacts on you? Yeah, so I do remember seeing, um, I used to watch Family Matters, and there was this one episode, um, called Stevel, and it's, like, it was a, it was from 1996, it was the Halloween episode, where Steve Urkel finds himself owning a ventriloquist dummy identical to him. And he wishes his newfound friend could be alive, and then he gets his wish. And steve begins to torment Steve and the entire Winslow family. And I, I, when, I when, when this came out, I was definitely like 15. So I it would have been 15 when I saw this. Didn't really scare me, but it, the, the, I think it kind of fits into like this idea of like a, a show that's for kids that is typically like, did I do that? Like, that's what Family Matters is. And that's what you think of it is like silliness and Urkel being dumb and being kind of that nerd. And then you get this one episode where it's like full on horror. I I used to watch Family Matters as well. Um, I was a 
TGIF gal. That was on TGIF for a while. Um, I, this does not look familiar. I do not think I ever saw this episode, and I'm very glad because it looks like at one point he strangles Steve Urkel. So yeah, I, don't... I think so. <laughs> I, it's been a very long time, and I was I it I honestly had completely forgot about it. So I was I was searching online for like I was like. I know that there has to be like this episodes like this. And this one came up and I was like, I remember that doll. Cause there was a picture of, of the doll. And I remember seeing that. I don't remember much about the episode, but I do remember that creepy doll. And there's apparently an, an episode of boy meets world called. And then there was Sean where the kids are locked in detention and they realize they're in danger because they're trapped in a room with a dead body. And they escape to find the entire school is on lockdown and that there's potentially oh. a murderer. <clears throat> and I'm like, this is not Boy Meets World. This is this is horror. Delightful. Yeah, I, I can't say I've seen that one either. I'm trying to think of other ones too. And I, I can't I can't think of any because I just think of fond memories of like the pretty mm. little liars Halloween episodes. <laughs> Stuff like that. <laughs> the the one that like that comes to mind always is from my favorite show as a kid. Arthur, which is an animated kids show. Mm-hmm. Are either of you familiar with Arthur? Mm-hmm. Yes. I've never seen it, but I'm familiar. So I grew up on Arthur. It was on PBS. I watched it all the time after school. Animated Aardvark, who has a bunch of friends and they just, you know, live their lives as, anthropomorph- as anthropomorphized characters in Animal Town. And there's one, there's a, they have a couple like Halloween episodes that were actually really fucking creepy. And the one that really got me was when they get locked in the library and like, it's like a haunted library and like my, my, and it was just like so fucking creepy. And I was always terrified of getting locked into places after hours and getting stuck in places after hours. Like that would happen to me and creepy shit would happen to me in the library. So that is what I always think about. Like as, cause again, it was never like a scary show, but like that one, and there's another episode that ha- that was like definitively saying ghosts are real. Cause someone house, someone's house is haunted and there's like actual family of ghosts that live there. And I was like, Arthur's confirmed ghosts are real. Well, fuck <laughs> then like it's over. So that, that's always like, I know that there's so many others, but like I couldn't find any of the ones because the Arthur ones are the ones that like really stick out. And then I think of shows like Courage the Cowardly Dog. I was going to say, I know Courage is like a spooky one, but like there's that one episode that like you've brought oh up a couple God. times on the oh podcast before. When um they steal the slab, the Curse of Ramses, mm-hmm. where it's like. Cause that's so like I grew up watching like Cartoon Network and like some of this I like Danny Phantom who was also a sexual awakening for me which was like the go- he's a ghost, um and he hunts go- he hunts and fights ghosts but yeah Courage the Cowardly Dog wasn't always wasn't always scary but definitely the slab where they like there's a mummy who is basically telling them to give this artifact back and like swarming them with plagues, um yeah that one's pretty fucked up, um but I fucking love that. I love that show so much. And my mom hated that I love that show. <laughs> it's so wholesome. Uh, I, uh. I guess. She she didn't like the the brand of shows from Cartoon Network that were like kind of gross, but like yeah, not I get that. terrible. Stimpy. She oh my god, she hated Ren and Simby. That was Nickelodeon, but we oh. love my stepdad. <laughs> 
loved Ren and Stimpy. We'd watch it all the time when she wasn't around, but it is the most disgusting show on the planet. Like We never had cable, so I never I never got to experience Ren and Stimpy or any of these other ones, my even as an adult. My on VHS. We just watched the- oh. We bought the VHS tapes of Ren and Stimpy, and we watched it over and over again growing up. If you want body horror, watch a Ren and Stimpy episode. Are you fucking kidding me? I mean, next? I've seen the images, and I'm like, <laughs> what? It's pretty, it's pretty gross. It's pretty it's- gross disgusting it is disgusting my uh my favorite halloween episode as a kid though was mystery weekend from saved by the bell it didn't scare me but it was like this one-off episode might have been probably a halloween episode where all the kids end up going to like basically a a mystery murder weekend and I remember that. I love that setup too. That's yeah. a cl- classic it's setup. Classic. You take all your great established characters and just throw them in a murder mystery, and, mm-hmm. and that's always fun. That sounds really always familiar. Fun. Hmm. There was a really scary episode of Ducktales where they meet druids. I don't know. If <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, we had a Ducktales episode. Wasn't it Ducktales? No, it was Darkwing Duck. We had Darkwing oh, yes, Duck Darkwing with. Duck. Uh, the Twin Peaks. The Twin, Twin Peaks, Peaks one. Yeah. That one was, that one disturbed me too. I was a little older when that happened, but I definitely got what it was. I had already watched Twin Peaks. My mom made me watch Twin Peaks. So I, I definitely was like, I know what this reference is and I understand it. Yay me. But I can imagine <laughs> without context, that one's really disturbing. Yeah. Oh God. There was another fucking show that I was, I just thought of and then it left my brain that I was going to bring up. Oh, uh, Simpsons Treehouse of Horrors episodes. Oh, my uh, specifically. So they didn't. They were not the only one that ever scared me, and it sounds wild, but it's the one where Homer they find a portal into like the different dimensions, and Homer oh, the three D dimension, the, the three D dimension one. Mm-hmm. That fucked me up. Like the existential terror I felt of like him falling through. Into another and he dimension. pokes the hole in the yes. ground too, and it starts to like. Yes, and he like falls into our dimension, and then it ends. And I think those kinds of episodes that just like end without any kind of resolution. And I know it was like a treehouse of horror, so it's different. But I felt like, what are the implications of this? <laughs> like, my, like my small brain was just like, what? <laughs> like, what do you? Is he stuck? Like, what's going on? And I saw it so young, but it like broke my brain, and it. it Stuck with me forever. And then some fucking t-shirt company sold a long sleeve shirt that was exactly that episode. So, of course, I own it. Because I was like, how uh, is this very specific, like, one part of Treehouse of Horror, like, the what, like of all the other ones, this is the one they made a shirt out of. But that one really got me, too, as a young, as a young child. I think I used to love those episodes of, of Simpsons. My parents did not let me watch them, but I would try to. When they weren't when they weren't watching, your your parents clearly cared for you very much. My parents <laughs> just freewheeling watching a uh, watching Poltergeist, uh, Mainline, and Treehouse of Horrors. I don't know why Simpsons were such a touchy subject. I, I really don't. It was the same way with with South Park when I was much older. I was not allowed to watch it. So my friend would, would tape episodes of it off. of, And I didn't also have cable, but my friend would tape episodes off and drop them off in my house. Wow. Uh-huh. Bootlegging. The, wow. the original wow. bootlegging. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, do we want to wrap up and give this our rating out of five? Before we do, though, because I did, did you say you had like nightmares after watching this? Yes. 
Yeah, reoccurring nightmares. Reoccurring nightmares. <laughs> and and yep. you revisited this this this, this episode as yes. an adult. Yes. What did you think as now? Is it still is? Did it bring you back to that childhood fear? Yes. At all. Uh, at one point, I started crying wow. um, because I was emotional about her being abandoned. <laughs> So, Understandable. Um, when it first started and I started to recognize it, I have a little Fitbit and I, I looked and my uh, heart rate skyrocketed when it started. Oh, shit. <laughs> oh, I, was no. like, I was like, I got to calm down. I got to calm down. I'm going to this is I'm in it for the long haul, because if you watch both episodes, it's like 45 minutes or something. Yeah. yeah. And I was like, I got to I got to pace myself. And there, there were a couple places where I was like, oh, I don't like this. But I think once we finally got into like that second episode and I was like, this is a kid's show. It's fine. It didn't hit me. I hope I'm glad I would have been very <laughs> concerned for myself if I was uh, thrown into quite the same frenzy I was when I was in single digits, <laughs> but um, it definitely, I still found it disturbing and I still think like, uh, I feel justified. I feel righteously justified in my horror. I mean, I don't, I don't blame you. Now I will say that I was prepared initially when I found out there was going to be spiders in this to be like, <laughs> you brought me a fucking surprise spider. Cause that is a trend, but it was fine. It it's, was, it was funny. It's a big spider. And then the it's dog fights it. It's really cute. <laughs> it was really cute. And then she uses the tomahawk and it's gushing goo. Which is like, weird. <laughs> it's fine. Like, wow. It's I know. It, it, it does a lot of stuff. Like Mary Beth said, it's like cosmic. It's um, like a folk tale. It's 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 existential dread. It's all these weird things. Look, man, I just want a ghost to pop out and teach him a lesson. I don't I don't need yeah, a like psychedelic why, spider. Yeah, I don't need this weird, like bedazzled entity to creepily whisper at me from the shadows and sparkle around. I loved it. Wow. Yes. <laughs> did did you know and have you seen the revival? I did know. I have not seen. <laughs> yeah, back in 2021. They... Back in 2021. Jesus Christ. It's not that long ago. <laughs> Fucking God. <laughs> Peacock did a revival of it with um, Punky and Cherie as adults where... Punky is now a divorced mother raising three children. Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> she lives in the same Chicago apartment where she grew up with her foster father, works huh. as a photographer just like he did, and she en encounters a girl at Fenster Hall named Izzy who was abandoned by her mother. Cool. I wonder if they had a Halloween episode. I'll have to go look. <laughs> yes. Absolutely. I don't think it'll stack up. Kind of need to, right? <laughs> um, uh, all right. Terry. Yes. How many creepy kids, wall kids out of five, creepy wall children more specifically, do you give Punky Brewster? You know, episodes six and seven from season two. I don't know how to answer that. Maybe that. <laughs> yeah, that's, <laughs> like, that's fair. That's very like, fair. I agree with that statement. As a I kid, do. this would have been right up my alley. I'll be perfectly honest. If I had seen this as a kid, yeah. I would have been like, "This is fucking cool." As an adult, it's um, it definitely has shown its age in terms of both the uh, racial dynamics as well as the effects. But uh, I think if I were to take myself back and being a kid, Terry, watching this, I probably would give it for creepy wall kids. But as an adult, that's more of like a two or two and a half. I was not 
appalled by it, but I also like have no desire to go seek out any of the other episodes. So that's kind of where I'm at right now. But as a kid, this would have been right up my fucking alley for sure. What about you, Mary Beth? Yeah, it was definitely something I would have loved as a kid, but I I think I give it three right now because I think I'm very impressed with just it existing as it is and as it was and as it came out. I think I'm always impressed when shows like this are able slash just say fuck it and do things like this. And it's like, Mm -hmm. it makes no sense and it's kind of insane, but like also good for you for doing it, I guess. Like love to see people taking risks like that in the 1980s when we're Mm -hmm. kind of used to thinking you know, tell like sitcoms and what we expect from sitcoms. And it's always kind of interesting to see something like this, especially in a show about a a young, young abandoned child. It's a fascinating cultural object. And I am very, I'm very glad we experienced it, but I will forever be questioning, (laughs) huh? Like what, what was going on in the writer's room that day? Um, I would have loved to be a part of it and mm. enjoy whatever that they were enjoying to get into that headspace. Maybe. Um, but anyway, Christine, you have the final word. How many creepy wall children out of five do you give these episodes of Punky Rooster? 4.5 creepy wall children. Hell yeah. Hell I yeah. have taken a 0.5 out because obviously they're a little slowly paced. <laughs> you know. But that's it. That's my only problem with Hell the yeah. pacing. No, respect. Respect. If I had a kid, oh my gosh, somebody lend me their kids so I can show them this. (laughs) I want to see what a kid would do now. Quick. I have... have... Quick, give me a kid. (laughs) Quick! Children? I'm going to show one of my cousins. (laughs) Quick, bring me a kid so I can terrorize him or her. Maybe they'll be like, meh, this doesn't do anything for me. I have a phone "Mm." and this is boring. (laughs) <laughs> look sometimes the weird shit that they watch on youtube like youtube kids is a weird terrifying yeah. like liminal hellscape of just bizarre animation so at this point they're probably like yes yeah, so and it's like you are built of different th- stuff than i my child shit <laughs> uh well thank you so much christine for joining us and having us watch punky brewster where can our <laughs> where can our listeners find you and do you have anything coming up that you can share or talk about um, I am most easily found currently still on Twitter uh, at xteen underscore makepeace. Just all right there the way it sounds. I also have a website in case that disappears. It's just christinemakepeace.com. I don't really have anything. I'm writing about Stoker. So if you follow me on Ooh. Twitter, then you'll Hell get yeah. to see my article about Stoker. Um, yeah, I don't really have anything coming up, but you can also buy my book. My name's Christine Makepeace and you just search for me on Amazon. My very lucky to have a very strange last name because there's no one encroaching on my my stuff. Hell yeah. And it's easy to spell. Just like what it sounds like. You'd be surprised <laughs> though. It really trips people up. Yeah, that's fair. I say that. I'm like, no, people really do like to overcomplicate. So, yeah. That's true. Um, well, listeners, you've heard from us. We want to hear from you. What was your experience with uh, I was at Peaky Blinders. <laughs> <laughs> that would be a completely different episode. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> if you're a kid and you've seen Peaky Blinders, hit us up. What, <laughs> I don't know why I was like Peaky Blinders. I'm like, it's not what this is. I kept thinking that this was what is her name, Pippi Longstocking. I kept getting oh, the two Jesus of them confused. Christ. Isn't that isn't that her name? 
Yeah, there's a, there's yeah, another, there's a, I think, it, abandoned girl child. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we were yeah. doing that for a while. Yeah, yeah. We, yeah. we loved it. Um, anyway, listeners, what was your experience with Punky Brewster? Specifically, or did Peaky you see Blinders. these episodes? Or Peaky Blinders? What do you think of Killian Murphy? Um, you can send oh, us an email at gmail.com <laughs> or you can reach out to us directly on Twitter. <laughs> I am at MB McAndrews. <laughs> I'm a Kaylee Dreadful. Uh... <laughs> don't forget god jesus christ i trip myself up every time and don't forget to follow the podcast on twitter at scarred podcast and please don't forget to review rate and subscribe and if you want to help support us you can find us on patreon uh, thank you to eric power for artwork thank you to sean keller for our music thank you everyone for listening please stay safe out there but most importantly stay creepy and until next time <laughs>